Alan, what is your favorite flavor of can? Put me on the spot that I'm going to say it, and I know what it is now, that cardamom situation. Oh, the blood orange cardamom. It's so good. It's delicious, yes, but I also, when I say it, I feel rich. I feel, <laughs> it's true. I feel wealthier. And and maybe it's maybe it's because I'm so relaxed that I spin so freely when yeah. I'm drinking can. But whatever it is, <laughs> right. when I say cardamom, I know I'm wealthy. Yeah, like back in the, like like a, a thousand years ago, if you had like a lot of spice, you were really rich. Yeah. Like spice merchants were like billionaires back in the also, day. Also, like when people a lot of pepper or whatever. You, when you were really fat, you looked rich. So I think yeah. I walk around, people are like, there, he's saying cardamom and he's fat. He's Excuse rich. Excuse me. You he's are rich. not fat, Alan. You're beautiful. Oh my God. Let's get back to can. Guys, you guys- can <laughs> is the best. It is two milligrams of THC, four milligrams of CBD. Yeah. Just crack one open, pound it, sip it, chug pound it. it. Pound it, baby. and 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 since we started with our since they started our sponsorship with us, they've added a couple of flavors that I have that are so good. Mm. If cran- cranberry sage uh, oh, is can one. in a bottle, and then um and they have they they call the packets crystals like like crystal light basically, yeah, yeah. Um, light. and honeydew mint, which sounds yeah, so fascinating. But uh, uh, I have yeah. not received the honeydew mint yet. Yeah, wow. and they also they've uh, it's not my thing, but ginger lemongrass, if you like that, is oh, I do um, love the ginger. flavor. Ginger settles the stomach. You could does. Does. benefit from it that. Really yeah. It really does. Yeah, it's also good. by the way, like we don't we talk about we talk about <laughs> can a lot, but I have to add to that the design of can is also so sophisticated that mm. I just I feel I, I, that's nice. when I feel rich. Yeah, yeah. just just yeah. looking, just ba- just drinking in. <laughs> The can of can. <laughs> well, guys, go to drinkcan.com. That's two N's, drink can. You can find out where you can get it. You can get the beverages. You can learn more about can. But whatever you do, get it because you too can feel rich. Get it. Welcome to You're Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Meh. Textual healing. So, Brent, very exciting news for you. Uh, hmm. There is now lingerie for men. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Times wrote uh, a, a trend piece about how lacy thongs and sheer undergarments designed for men men's bodies are shaking up the market. And before we even dive into the story itself, I wonder if Michael Brambilla, yeah, uh, the beau of our own H. Allen Scott, yes. would he characterize some of the stuff that he makes? A life partner as male lingerie or is oh, it yeah. fetish? Where it is. I mean, he it's borderline fetish, but I mean, in a weird way, male lingerie is borderline fetish inherently. Yeah, I think, um, especially how it's marketed in a lot of ways. You can look at mm-hmm. a lot of like what Rihanna does with with Fenty and. There's a lot of different things. Like a lot of the male lingerie out there is intentionally fetishized in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Michael's, Michael's work, which you can check out at michaelbrambilla.com. Um, it's a lot of sparkly jack straps and 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 sort of 
the, the harnesses and things like that. Now, yeah, Elliot definitely prefers like see-through fabrics. Does Michael make oh, any yes. of those? He does that too. He does okay. that too. Yeah. All right, great. Well, well, the idea is the idea of this stuff is that it's the idea is that it's sexy undergarments that are more gender expansive than just a jock strap, which yeah. makes sense. Um, but and now there's obviously a huge movement toward it, and the idea of it is as being very you know body positive, sex positive. Mm. Um, and so there's these brands, Menagerie. Candyman Fashion, CC Full, um, brand. I mean, Alan mentioned Savage by Fenty, which is Rihanna's. Yeah. Uh, that collection uh, came out in 2020 and sold out in 12 hours. Yeah, um, oh. it was a great this, collection. Yeah, it's. I mean, I wasn't so, aware of this happening really, and and it's. But it, I have but a it friend who sense. like posts on on an alt, posts uh, a lot of pictures of of him in in um, like male lingerie, and it's. Fantastic. I love it. I, I so, love I love everything about it. Do you think the drive is coming from uh, gay men who who are, are become? Oh, OK. Oh, yeah. No, I can, no, please, please. Continue oh, your thought. son of a bitch. No, continue. I want to hear what continue. Well, your yeah, thought. I mean, the, my question, you know, when you read articles like this, regardless of the topic, I'm not I'm not bashing this article. I can hear Alan saying, oh, how dare you? Uh, no, when you read articles like this about like a modern trend, you're like, yeah, let's just wait to see if it's an actual trend or if like you've yeah. checked in uh, in a few L.A. and New York boutiques and they've run, right. <laughs> they've sold out of men's lingeries. But yeah, my my assumption is it like maybe gay men are, are pushing this trend or is it straight? Yeah. Elliot? Well, basically, I mean, so Luis Durantes is the founder of this company, Leak NYC. He says we're entering a new age where male presenting bodies are feeling comfortable wearing effeminate shapes, effeminate fabrics that did not exist when he was growing up. He says, it feels like a brave new world. We're really trying to explore and push and question the binary that has limited us for so long. Yeah. And so clearly, yes, this this does feel like it, it, it veers more towards, um, you know, queer and, and non-binary and, and gay uh, uh, male, you know, men. Um, but also, I mean, it, it is really skyrocketing. This company, Fleur de Mal, introduced mm. a collection. Fleur, that, Fleur. <laughs> including <laughs> block boxers made from sheer lace. Those sold out in two days and have a have a wait list. Um, mm. But there's also the, also the idea is like, are straight men buying this? Well, and I, think with, I think with the straight male yeah. component to it, I think there's one aspect of straight male sexuality that is often not, publicly displayed because it's not being seen as masculine but there are many straight men out there who enjoy wearing their wives of course uh, you know undergarments putting sure. on putting on um, garters putting on all of the things in sex play it's perfectly healthy it's perfect especially if it's consenting between you and your partner and it's it's uh it's i i think there is a long history of straight men men in general doesn't matter straight gay whatever wearing what has typically been and again clothes aren't gendered but has typically been female lingerie and using that as a sexually enhancing device and i think yeah well even great oh, sorry. yeah this this um this woman uh uh I think Valerie Steele, I can't find her name, but she um, is, yeah, Valerie Steele, she works at the Museum of museum at uh, FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. Mm -hmm. And she says a kind of this shift, ha although this is obviously a very extreme shift, it really started in the 70s when um, underwear started using men as like sexual objects in their ads, which yeah. really hadn't happened before that, but oh, that was right. Calvin Klein and Jockey. Um, and then in 74, there was something called <laughs> International Male Catalog, 
Yeah, um, that yeah, was that I at that point was that. called Victoria's Secret for Men, uh, featuring men in thongs. There's a pageant for it now. I just interviewed really for it. Yeah. Um, not not for the pageant, but someone who was in the international male is, ever pageant. It is kind of funny to think of, you know, to think of like men's uh, underwear being marketed not by a sexual, like not by a fit shirtless Correct. man, yeah. but that like imagine like you know like Burt Reynolds in like yeah. a pair of underwear. Or something. Yeah, but he but he was like John Goodman. That he was that Reynolds. <laughs> Burt Reynolds, well, yeah, was Burt Reynolds, ba- bad pitch because he's actually was considered sexy back then. Yeah, but imagine yeah. John Goodman, like <laughs> yeah. trying to sell you, like underwear. It's just so foreign. But yeah. but but like yeah, that like that that's how um, that's how homophobic our society was. You know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, where like men didn't even want to look at yeah. a good body while buying underwear. They yeah, it's like crazy. they didn't even want to conceive well, of such let's, a thing. Let's let's reframe that and say not oh, a good body, but a body that that some might a find fit. a fit body, but that does not equate good, Brent. So oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> and many people would be very attracted to see John Goodman promote underwear. Uh, Let, I, that's true. That's, I think John, I've said this since day one on the podcast. John Goodman is beautiful. <laughs> I couldn't care less. About my, my, one of my first serious boyfriends was like so into John Goodman. Sure. And I was oh like, my God, Elliot, of uh, course your first boyfriend was into John Goodman. <laughs> like, how right. many? Right. Yeah, like, well, now he only now he's turned into like the ultimate bear and only hangs out with other bears and takes pictures with other bears. And I always say that he looks like he's in a bowl of gay soup. I actually I God was God bless him. I was I was chatting with a, a good friend, actually a regular listener of the podcast, my dear friend Hi. Mary. Hi, Mary. Uh, hey, Mary. Um, but we were actually I probably shouldn't have said her name, but I, I think this is fine. She was she was talking about how she uh, also really dug the Mark Wahlberg underwear um, yeah, Calvin well, Klein commercials, which I just so assumed was specifically marketed just to gay men. But she was like, no, of course not. Everyone oh. remembers Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark in those yeah. commercials. That was like the beginning of like but also going back hypersexualized we were- era. What we were talking about on a past episode of the podcast just recently about women's consumption of porn. That one thing we didn't talk about during that segment is women's consumption of queer porn, gay porn, and how yeah. many straight women watch gay porn because it sort of fucks with the patriarchy mm-hmm. in a way and the, the masculinity. And it just sort of it turns a lot of things around. And I, I you can see why then. Calvin Klein ads, which is very homoerotic, in especially in the '90s, yeah, would then be appealing to women who identify as straight. Yeah, yeah, I, I yes, no, you're absolutely right. I, I, I will say, I feel like anecdotally, I've just heard that my female friends who watch gay porn like it because women in straight porn are apparently uh, overacting. That's like a common like, oh, yeah. theme oh, I God. hear. Yeah. My salad. And, and they're like, they're like, it takes me out of it. I like gay porn. They seem more yeah. into it. <laughs> no. Whereas I'm like, nah, I don't buy it. Elliot's like, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I watch your browser once, history once a year, once a year. Brent and I are going to break in with that mystery key from a few years ago and and look in your apartment for and look at your browser history. That's what yeah, we're fine by me. I don't, it's all on hard copies anyway. Fisting.com. <laughs> Ew. I mean, I respect whatever you're into, but not mm-hmm. me. <laughs> <laughs> not even joking. Well, we are joined today by 
such an exciting guest, friend of the podcast, also the voice of Linda Belcher on Bob's Burgers. Everyone, please welcome John Roberts. Hey, John. Hi, John. how are you? Thanks for John, you, you also happen to have the same name as like, I mean, truly across the board, Brent's biggest crush in the world, I would say. The yeah. Chief Justice John Roberts. Chief Justice John Roberts. <laughs> is that right? Is that right? Yeah. That that is right. I do. I do think he is like. Well, I shouldn't say he's what not. Would the, you he, want to do him? I want. I want to like talk constitution. No, he's yeah. not like. He's not like my wet dream. He's just. He's not like JTT. He's just. Um, I think a really handsome sixty. You know, two sixty-five-year-old man. I love it. I love it. What do you? What, do you think he's? Do you think he's handsome? Uh, he, well, he started off, he's, he's pretty conservative. Uh, <laughs> that is always a boner killer right away. Yeah. I'm imagining not very exciting undergarments. It's not going to work. I don't right. know. I feel like conservative is kind of not a boner killer and like not because of my politics align, but because it's kind of like a, it's like hate sex in a way. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, well, sure, sure. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you're always going to regret it. You're always going to regret it. I, uh, <laughs> I uh, yeah, because you don't, don't at the end of the day, you don't want to give them any moments of joy. Oh, you don't, you don't exactly. want to concede that that ground to them. I I remember when he was first nominated, though. I do think he's uh, not just handsome, but he has a very he's a very nice toothless smile. That's like a very faint, like <laughs> all of his pictures. He's always toothless smiling. And in my first headshot, which was taken right around the time, I, I basically have the exact same <laughs> smile on. <laughs> I was doing the John Roberts in my first headshot. <laughs> Wow. What is the what is the what is a tooth what does that mean toothless so smile like like this like this let's see uh, like a like a, a uh yeah a, a soft How, yeah shit I never I've never had those. yeah like like a smile without showing the teeth just just an arch to mm. like hiding the upper lip right. under the bottom and the <laughs> and an upward arch to the corners of the That's mouth so but anyway. Funny. <laughs> Anyway, but other John, please. I mean, not me, but the uh, the guy on the, the news guy. Wait, who's oh, he's from Canada? Uh, John Roberts, the journalist. Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Also handsome. Mm. Also handsome. Uh, <laughs> well, I never thought so. Well, I mean, yeah, he's he's a handsome guy. He's handsome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sexy. I wouldn't say he's sexy. No, I would just say he's handsome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, th I think that's I think that's fair. So, so John, I mean, needless to say, I shouldn't be tangenting on the Chief Justice in a conversation with yourself. Um, so, I mean, so you know, it's been a while since I saw you. You used to live in Hollywood, um, and I think you moved back to New York full time. Maybe you're like bi coastal now. How have you been doing? Yeah, uh, I've been holding up. Uh, no, I've been good. You know, uh, I did move back to the East Coast, and um, you're from Brooklyn, right? Well, yeah, I was born there mostly. Uh, mm -hmm. And I mean, I've lived there for a number of years, but mm -hmm. uh, my, my, most of my family's from Brooklyn and right. my parents. And uh, we're, then we grew up in New Jersey. And, right. And my parents split, and, and my dad is always on the Upper East Side. So mm -hmm. uh, just kind of New Jersey, New York. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, I love, I love New Jersey, actually. It's, uh, it's very cool. It's cooler than I remembered growing up. Really? What do you like about it? Well, I like that there's not a lot of traffic um, sure. in neighborhoods and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I, um, 
I don't know if you remember this, but I, I think I went to a Christmas party at your place shortly before you <laughs> left Hollywood. And I remember very specifically for some reason, for some reason, this sticked out and stuck out in my mind, maybe because my parents are a little older. Um, when you said you were like, uh, you were like, hey, I'm going to I'm moving back to, to New York. And you mentioned that like you're, you're, you're like, my parents are getting older and like, I don't want to miss this like part of their life. And I kind of mm-hmm. want to be closer to them. And I just remember it really kind of struck a chord with me. Um, yes. How are your parents doing? And and was it annoying to move back closer to them or are you glad you did it? <clears throat> oh, well, uh, basically, you know, my father passed away before I, I moved to L.A. So he's been okay. gone for a while now. But my my mom and, and my, uh, you know, her, her husband and my father's wife, who I was also very close with, mm-hmm. uh, my parents divorced very early, like I was like a year old or something. Okay. So you know, I kind of got like a bonus second mom, uh, yeah. Irish woman who's very amazing amazing she's still around and uh and i love having a relationship with her and uh and then yeah my mom you know we've had a lot of great memories here that we wouldn't have had if i stayed in la things i could host at my house and very warm cool family stuff that i'm able to be around for you know so it's very grounding here for me so i like that part of it Mm -hmm. and uh, i've been making a lot of music and uh just doing bobs which is such a huge blessing and yeah can you do that now like i mean I, i'm assuming you can you, you don't record like with other people i'm assuming you just do it in a in a booth um alone i'm guessing but like and if that's the case like can you just do it from anywhere at this point well uh we actually do record together still oh. We're we could hear each other and uh you know during covid uh, a lot of it we we actually were not able to hear each other so we just did it alone with the writers um and that was tough but now we're back together mm-hmm. and yeah doing it. and the joke you know, <laughs> it's just way better to be together and uh but we can do it from home I, I still prefer the studio you know i love going you know in the city and you know i uh, I, you know, I'm in Brooklyn too. I have a place in Brooklyn. So I love being in Brooklyn and just uh, going and taking the subway to the studio and um, meeting John Benjamin and going out, you know, for a beer afterward. Mm-hmm. And also just uh, the sound people there and everyone at the studio. It's just been, you know, a while we've been working with them. So they're like families. So, uh, you know, it, it's nice to work at home. It's really been great. But I love going in the studio and just feeling like I'm doing something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much, like when you do, when you do the voice of, of Linda, how, how much are you doing an impression of your mom or is it just kind of become its own thing? Yeah. I'd say the voice, a lot of it, you know, and my impersonation definitely started out of, of my mom and that's kind of what landed me the gig and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but there's all these writers and they're all moms too. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of great memories from their moms are fueled into this and um you know but i, I a lot of the inflections my improv my improv and like you know uh a lot of a lot of things that my mom you know like all right like that's stuff that she yeah. say. and uh you know there's a lot of good zingers that i got in there for to you know really make her a legend right. okay. really, i mean so much of that uh i believe i would imagine is also based on um, the mind-boggling canon. I would call it gay canon, but it really is just like internet canon at this point. Your early YouTube videos uh, 
with the Christmas tree and where you were, I'm assuming you were playing a version of your, of your mom. Um, and yeah. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, it's, if people are somehow unfamiliar, it's like this perfect, like perfect tri-state Staten Islandy, Long Islandy, Jersey, Brooklyn mom who, who, who just like marvels at the, at a Christmas tree. And it's like, it's mind boggling. Like it's just, it's canon at this point. And please tell me that's based on your real mother because <laughs> me and all my friends saw so fucking much of our own moms in yeah. that, in that video, in those videos. That's 100%. Are you from Long Island? Yeah. Long Island. Amazing. What, where in Long Island? Smithtown. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> you, my mom's from Brooklyn and yeah, that's 100% her like that. The tree was like her, <sighs> you know, she's, <laughs> more administrative and you know she's she's really kick-ass in the office you know she was working on the weekends at catering you know working at you know weddings and things like that she was very single mom energy mm. and uh you know that's the the tree was her like uh her artistic expression so she took it really seriously and it it just you know one day in the east village i was performing you know at starlight lounge i don't know if you guys remember that bar but it's on avenue a and uh, i was trying to write for this the my mom character that i've been performing with this big wig on and uh and the beginning stuff was cute but it wasn't you know i didn't find it until like the the tree and the repetitive stuff and like my yeah. son okay and uh you know the repetitive stuff once when i started doing that live it was really good and uh it really landed with the audience so it was uh you know very it was like the first thing time i hit kind of like some gold there yeah there is just something so special i'm 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 talking to to two jews right now but there is something so special about the like the christmas tree and my mom's attachment to the tree and the way she decorates it herself mm-hmm. and how I've, I've thought like, if there were ever a time, <laughs> if there were ever like a time in my you know family's life, uh, I guess eventually in which there will be a Christmas without my mom. I'm like, I don't want a tree. It's like the mom, like the tree represents my mom to me, you know, mm. Mm. I feel like I would have to like, maybe just like also Christmas trees. I always say they're, they're kind of like penises where everyone's a little different. <laughs> and then I very often, you know, you know, when you go into someone's house and you see their tree and you're like, Oh, that one looks a little weird. Like everyone's always looks a little weird at first. And then you're like, Oh, it's nice. It's nice. I don't um, mind weird. I mind lazy. Don't give me a lazy <laughs> tree. Don't just pull it out of the box and put the shitty stuff on it. <laughs> I, you know, that's just, come on. Why bother? Right. Do you, now I, I know you're married, right? Yeah. Yeah. So wait, so what's what's that been like? When did when did you guys meet? Because I think you were not married when I knew you in LA. Perhaps I'm wrong. No, I was single and I was like soul cycling a lot. You know, <laughs> people were like, You're too skinny, like all the time. They were like, You're you're too I was like, What are you talking about? <laughs> like soul cycle, like I have like my eighth soul cycle this week and just like in the front row, like in front of Charlize Theron, just really <laughs> Like, she's totally like looking at me right now. And like, um, you know, and then I was like, you know, L.A. eventually for me being single there was not fun uh, because mm-hmm. I, it's there's something about L.A. that's just I felt very lonely. I don't know if everyone mm-hmm. feels this way, but I just kind of got, oh, yeah. like, uh, you know, I love my dogs. I mean, my dogs are, you know, my babies, but I, I wanted to move back here and I thought about having kids uh and then <laughs> instead i just got married but, uh, 
Well, which is fine. I don't know. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad I don't have kids right now because of my nerve, my, I'm so neurotic and, you know, everything with COVID. We survived the COVID honeymoon challenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was good. That was a good sign that we were able to do that. A lot of soup and Peloton. Soup Mm -hmm. and Peloton. Yeah, that's very of- LA. That's very LA, actually. I know. I brought that here. See, I brought a little. Yeah. LA here. That that is that's impressive though, because it sounds like you guys met, you know, a, a little later. You didn't like meet in your twenties. Like, what? How did you meet? Right. Like, was it through work or was it just through one of the apps? Well, no, we met actually uh, at a bar, the old-fashioned way. Uh, I was with my friends, and he was with his friends, and we just really hit it off, and uh, huh. it was like one of those love at first sight thing so wow you know that's nice that's very sweet. romantic and sweet and uh traditional which uh i could not find in la actually and i yeah. i need to like eat with people and like you know people that show up for you is a big thing and and also when they show up you want to be with them <laughs> and yeah. that's like a really hard thing to find so you know uh, when you find it, you gotta you gotta jump on it. I, you know, I, I've largely been single most of my life. I've had a few couple, you know, a couple meaningful relationships. But I, when I look back, I don't have regrets because I all of these people that I've dated or gone on dates with or whatever, I just don't like them. <laughs> and and like and but the the, oh, the yeah, couple one, relationships yeah, that I, yeah the couple yeah. relationships that were good. I, I liked them and I wanted to be around them. And it's just, it's just one of these things where like, I don't know if it's cause I'm a cantankerous piece of garbage or something, but like, it's just hard to find someone that you really like, you know? Well, it's good to know what you like. Right. And it's good to know, uh, you know, that you're not perfect or, you know, that you're going to make mistakes and be a little vulnerable to that. Yeah. And uh, like, you know, it, it, there's something about being with somebody really that makes you very vulnerable and have to, you know, intimacy is yeah. you know, in the, the gay world. It's, it's very uh, still kind of not, you know, new, it's not really yeah. celebrated a lot in a sense, you know? Yeah. It's also no, definitely not. It's also good to like find things that you hate together. Cause that's like oh. the most fun about living with someone is just really hating the same thing, sure. you know? What do you hate with your love with your oh life? my god there are so many things from like basic things at the mall that we just hate certain types of people to complaining about the uh-huh. same type of things on television shows it's just delightful yeah. mm-hmm. well i hate watch saved by the bell this morning it was the christmas episode and it was absolutely disgusting wow, <laughs> wow. i don't remember that one especially the audience laughter Ugh. I didn't even know there was an audience for Saved by the Bell. Imagine, yeah, imagine going to that in the early 90s. After, oh, I, I was thinking about that, too. And then I got I wanted to throw up. <laughs> you know, can, canned laughter has never been particularly endearing. But uh, I actually just I was just watching some episodes of Black Adder online. And oh, I love the, Black Adder. It's great. But the, but the canned laughter in 80s British television is even worse. Well, they did it as a joke, though. They oh, okay. Well, I did to like I, be a part of because obviously there's not an audience out there. Well, of, yeah, the of course of, not in the middle of nowhere, right? Field, yes, yeah. but it's just it just like it just sucks the fun out of it for you. You know, it yeah. just it, except it, small wonder. The right, right. Oh. <laughs> Wait, did you say small wonder? Oh, tall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, tall wonder. That could be a new. No, uh, small wonder. Small wonder. Yeah, the, yes. the, 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 about the robot. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a small wonder, perfect in every way. Get so, this. I was yeah. terrified of Small Wonder, if you can no, believe that. Oh, okay. that surprised. I can absolutely. I'm yeah. so surprised. Yeah, Wait, very John, super, I want Elliot's afraid everything. Sorry, John, I, Sorry, John, I want to ask you about your music. I wasn't aware that you were making music, but look at, this is amazing. You're working with Beth. You have a song with Beth Ditto. You're working with Baby Daddy from Scissor Sisters. When did you start doing this? Well, you know, it's funny. <laughs> well, Elliot, I want to say, too, you have a gorgeous singing voice. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. That, I agree, and so do I. But anyway, go ahead, John. <laughs> You, Brent? He does. <laughs> I want to hear something before we. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Give us a little. Give us a little Freddie Mercury. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. I I, I just uh, I I've, I've been making music for a while, but uh, I finally put out an album with uh, first I had an EP with Big Black Delta. He's a great musician and artist, and then I did a whole album with Junior Sanchez, who's a incredible house producer and debbie harry and beth ditto did some songs on the album and uh so rad and yeah i I, thank you it's super fun for me and i'm gonna keep going i we just we're we're writing more and uh yeah it's just i'd like to start performing live and uh just keep it going and and have fun you know is it a surprise that a surprise that you have found success and momentum in your voice both like animated and musical well i uh i love like being in the studio is my favorite thing so um it's definitely my comfort zone and it's a true blessing it takes a lot of pressure off (laughs) and you know it's it's nice to kind of be yeah behind the the camera i have Mm -hmm. a face for voiceovers so Mm -hmm. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I think uh, it's nice to fool around with your voice and explore and, and work with different people that bring different things out mm-hmm. and different producers do that. And it's exciting to write a song and just, you know, start, start the week with nothing. And then you end up with a song that's kind of a recording and it's, it's very cool that it just could live on forever. Wait, so what is, because I, I, don't, I don't know much about music. What is the relationship like with a producer when you're in a recording studio or working with them? Like, are they just kind of like, you guys just like hum shit together and then like you eventually stumble upon what you like or what, what's it like uh, collaborating with a producer? Well, it starts with humming for sure. <laughs> First you blow them and then you're like, oh my God, what are we going to write? No, I'm just kidding. Well, uh, no, you uh, you totally, uh, you know, first of all, you want to work with people that you, you know, that are better than you <laughs> and yeah. work with really super talented people. And it's hard to relationships like that are super hard to find. Um, so you got to put a big wide net out, I think, you know, and but when when you find a good relationship like that, you have to stick with it and keep keep going because i think you you know that's when things get really good but it's hard to find a good working relationship for sure yeah yeah that doesn't surprise me so um all right so before but before we go uh like i I, i'll tell you what i'm jealous about so bob's burgers is obviously very popular it's a beloved show and it's it's genuinely awesome and hilarious but my high school crush, <laughs> who these guys know all about, this one guy who I've been attracted to my entire life, he's one of the only humans I follow on Instagram, always posts Bob's Burgers memes. 
And that's like the language he communicates in. And I'm so jealous. So I was going to ask you that, like, has there ever been a moment where you were surprised with how incredibly popular it's become over the years? Oh, man. Like, it's, it's, you know, it started off like the first season in the fetal position, you know, and, uh, you know, the fan base grew so much and there's so much talent there. And Lauren's such an awesome showrunner and the cast is so awesome. And uh, it's it's like the gift that keeps on giving. So, uh, at, you know, it's always it's always a huge blessing that you're that it's still going and and you hear that people are still interested in like dressing up for Halloween and mm. you know, uh, they really go to sleep at night listening to it. And it's just been, you know, we've been having a rough go of it. And I think animation is very comforting and uh, the show has a lot of heart and the characters are very sweet and it's these funny, natural moments. Um, so I, I'm all for the show. It's, it's, it's such a, you know, and now me, it's a movie. And now it's a movie, which is yeah. so exciting. I have to tell you, every time I've gone to a lot of movies because I am an AMC dubs or whatever it's called member. And every, every yeah, I'm back in the theaters, you know, risking COVID going in in a hazmat suit. And <laughs> I sit there and there's a preview for the Bob's Burger movie that it has like the falling meat and like lettuce. And like when I'm not like I, I do drag and I really want to use that beginning bit of the trailer in every single drag performance I do because it is <laughs> it is a perfect introduction for me, fat as fuck me, to enter the stage. Oh, please, and just you're like, beautiful. My beef is here for you. It's just it's a wonderful <laughs> it's a wonderful trailer, and I'm very excited about the film. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was exciting the way it's it's very sexy. Linda, it starts off. Yeah, she's a little slutty. She well, it gets you know. Linda likes to you know. She's a flirt. Yeah, <laughs> I support it. I support uh, Linda. I do. I do actually have one more question though, John. So you have, you've been doing comedy for a long time. Yep. Um, and you also did comedy predating the era that we're in now, which is like, it is overwhelmingly cheered on if you are anyone within the LGBTQ community. Uh, it didn't used to be so chic is what yeah. I'm trying to say. So what was yeah. it like for you doing stand up in uh, stand up or and or comedy in New York, you know, 20 years ago, you know, when when it wasn't that easy to come out on stage and or perhaps do a, a character of your mom or something like like that. What was what's that been like for you? Well, you know, it's funny because uh, my show was on Avenue A and it was at a gay bar Starlight and mm. it was, you know, a really fun mixed neighborhood crowd. And then two blocks away was John, Benjamin and Eugene and they were doing their show and I didn't even know who they were. And, uh, you know, it was two different worlds for me, but I think now it's really great. And I love seeing it. I love seeing like, there's this huge community of gay comics, like so talented and smart and enlightened. And I, us. it's us. You're talking about us. Yeah, totally. Yeah. To yeah. yeah. But um, it, it was, uh, you know, it, I think it's great that it, it evolved and back then, you know, in the early, even in the early nineties, cause I was doing stand up when I was like 16, 17 mm -hmm. to the city. And, uh, and then once I started to realize I was gay uh, and then that, you know, deal with all that, I didn't really feel comfortable in any of those clubs. Um, oh. and, you know, it just wasn't, it was very, it was kind of a gross, weird baby boomer vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was, you know I just was in the East Village and 
really just learning from drag queens and you know uh which is probably what makes my comedy so crass <laughs> you know like <laughs> You know, for me, that was the funniest shit was the drag queens and, you know, uh, squeeze box and, you know, the lady bunnies and uh, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. It was also the only shows that I was going to. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I was I wasn't really, you know, I left I stopped doing comedy when I was like eight, 19, you know, and then there was a big gap in between. So I was kind of finding my way through. And the, the fact that I stumbled upon you know, the Christmas tree, you know, after mm -hmm. doing this stuff is, you know, yeah. it's it totally, uh, that was the beginning of my queer humor for sure. The yeah. East Village, you know. And Linda is very drag too. You can just tell. I mean, her character is very drag. Oh yeah. Yeah, she is. And so is Eugene, you know, yeah. uh, Jean's, Jean's really drag queenie and mm -hmm. uh, campy, you <laughs> know, fun. and she sings, you know, I, I never even thought that was going to be part of the gig. So the yeah. It's so fun for me and Lawrence so musical and yeah uh, it's been such a bonus that's, that's great, great man well yeah. john thank you so much for joining us where can people find you on the internet people could find me at john roberts fun on twitter <laughs> instagram and uh my music is on uh apple music um spotify <laughs> and uh it's my my album was called lights out and there's a remix album. It's really fun. Um, so check out Bob's Burgers movie that's coming out. And yeah. I'll be a little, I think I, I'm, I have a little tiny, like a couple lines in Fire Island uh, that's coming out too. Uh, right. Summer. Um, that's awesome. Well, John, Excellent. thank you so much. Thanks yeah, so much thank for you, joining us. Okay, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. And another thing. So Elliot uh, found Elliot. What was the name of this website? What do you mean the the website? Yeah, the where where this was posted. Um, it was on the the blog of a writer named Tyler Danucci. Say oh, okay. the name because it's yeah, really funny. <laughs> Many people are saying. What I, do you mean? I was like, I was like a new Elliot Glazer classic URL. <laughs> no, no, it's a but Substack. If, it, if it's if it's a specific blog, that makes sense. Okay. No, no, no you know Substack, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I don't. I don't. But I can oh. understand what it is. So yeah. Tyler Danucci <laughs> seems like a very smart, thoughtful person, and he wrote a, a piece. And the general crux of the piece is that gay men are aging in an era of unprecedented acceptance. So what are we to do with this? You know, essentially being gay, um, more or less aging as a gay person has never occurred within the, you know, uh, political context of acceptance. And so it's kind of interesting because he sort of proposes a, a number of questions, but he's basically saying like, what are we supposed to do with being older, gay men when there isn't a prototype for what you're supposed to do you know i thought it was very thought-provoking what were your thoughts elliot i just thought it was really thoughtful in the sense that without being um hyperbolic or like panicky or sycophant he, he's just kind of laying out the idea that like and he's not trying to speak for anybody else other than gay men and he even acknowledges that like, it's like he can't speak to anybody else's um experience but that like yeah there really is no layout as to like yeah. quite what that looks like and and i guess that's not news to any of us but but it is it is kind of sobering when you hear out loud that like yeah for for better or worse straight people straight and especially cis people have a have something laid out there for are them. templates of what life looks like for any number of 
straight yeah. people. You, you know, you're married until your dying days. You're a single Diane Keaton yep. type. Uh, you know, you're a solo woodworker who, you know, uh, a, a man who d- does his woodworking and, you know, doesn't care about anything else. Like there's so or different- woman or woman. <laughs> How dare you? Um, there's so many prototypes. It, it does yeah. actually rem- remind me though, uh, growing up, uh, we had, there was a gay couple in one of the houses down the street. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, this is Ann Arbor, very liberal college town. Uh, and they, we would always, things would, uh, there would always be like parties. There was a, in particular, a minister and his wife who lived on the block who would throw a lot of like neighborhood social uh, parties. And these guys never came. They were so <laughs> quiet, reserved which very well could just be their personalities, but maybe they just needed you all. (laughs) Probably. Which, I mean, I feel like is something that like, I mean, I can relate to. Um, (laughs) That I will often not go to the- Wait, so may may I ask what, like, what did you, what did the neighborhood think about them? Uh, I mean, there was nothing, there's no no bad thoughts, but no good ones because they basically Mm -hmm. wouldn't even wave back. But even in Ann Arbor, <laughs> even in Ann Arbor, it's like it's a liberal town. So they were fine. Yeah. Still, even there, they didn't have examples because they were the only ones. So they didn't yeah. have examples to look to of who they could relate to to experience the things that they were experiencing as they aged. And I think it's the same in a lot of ways. I mean, we've talked about this before on podcasts, but like we haven't ever we are experiencing literally right now this baby boomer generation of queer people who aged in, in in the era of the gay rights movement from 1969 until now experienced so much, but they also lost so much too because they weren't afforded rights like social security benefits for their spouses or, or different 401ks for their spouses. Yeah. So now you have elderly LGBTQ people who are having to continue to work well until their 70s because they right. don't have a retirement or they can't afford or even worse, they're having situations now where they're moving into retirement homes or nursing homes and they're having to deal with discrimination all over again, coming from a world where they were able to live out and proud and be who they were moving into a very discriminated nursing home where they're again, the only one. And it's, it's, it's creating a problem that we've never experienced as a society. And I think aging in the queer community is a real discussion that we as younger queer people um except for brent brent is 83 uh but as as younger queer people should be having about what we can be doing to like help elderly lgbtq people and i'm saying that as someone who tomorrow is going to get botox so i'm gonna stay young forever (laughs) like i i i I think we should be having these discussions and doing more for elderly lgbtq people and 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 getting their stories documenting their stories because they've lived such a rich interesting life it 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 is one of these things and and uh, let me also note we got it we got a note very early on in the history of this podcast that we had our terminology skewed towards the ageist side (laughs) and we have been i think a lot more cautious of that but it is one of these things where you know it is the most inevitable thing in the world gay culture is so youth oriented Mm -hmm. and yet everyone everyone will get old and will get older and we will all eventually i guess unless you like die in a train train wreck or something we will all be on the other side of what it's like to you know to 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 not be a, a young 24 year old with a great body going wanting to go to even, you know uh, uh, raves and shit you know yeah but even that like 
it, I never was like, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like we like well, we was. weren't we no, we weren't like we weren't that, you know, and and it's just like I mean, Tyler's point is is more about the idea of like what of not necessarily like what will it look like in terms of uh, survival or 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 what the circumstances are. It's just like there is no there is no rubric. There's no yeah. framework. And so it's it is interesting that even as it as it has often felt like, oh, we've we've progressed, we've progressed, we've advanced, you know, mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. same time when pe- people are still like, do you want to have kids? And it's like, yeah. Yes, but that'll be expensive. And will I have a partner? Like, <laughs> right. All of these things that like is not is, is it's different for us. And it's to me, I think for a very long time, especially with gay marriage passing, I wanted to sort of take it. For, I wanted to take it for granted to essentially ignore the idea that I had to like contend with this. Yeah. But now I think this, you know, an article like this, while it's not pessimistic, it is a really interesting exploration as to like how we are essentially for better or worse forced to figure it out in a way that uh other people like street people are just they they don't yeah. they have their rubric and, and we don't we wouldn't have to have that because you know we could have teachers and 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 people in the community being out and teaching sort of younger people that there is yeah. an alternative uh, in the future except yes. for if you live in the state of florida where your teacher literally can't say gay yeah. so maybe you won't learn some things but yeah it's, but i actually find it kind of freeing because obviously i've always felt too. like as, as a gay man it's nice not to have the societal pressure that you should be married by this time you should totally. have a house and you totally. should have children and if not you're something you know, I'm not saying this is true, but you're viewed as sort of like a failed adult if you don't yeah, or have a weirdo or something. Or a weirdo or something. examples of people who are within our financial means, meaning mm-hmm. not Ellen DeGeneres, not major celebrities. Right. Well, well Elliot, Elliot's they're, in a whole other category yeah, yes. here. But they're important. I mean, visible celebrities being out is very important. But yeah. I don't relate to fucking Anderson Cooper going to brunch on Sunday, spending right. all kinds of money. I, re- yeah. I, I relate to a dude who's just gay living his life, who is a little bit older than me and he's just fine. And that I think is what we need more of. Yeah, I I struggle to relate to, you know, Elliot buys a new microphone for the podcast and it's gold plated, (laughs) you know, a $5,000 microphone. And it says Bussy Destroyer on it. It does. It's a a what? A what? Bussy Bussy Destroyer. What would what your, your aunt, aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? I keep hearing this word and I don't understand what it means. What is a bussy? <laughs> <laughs> um, my aunt Joanne would say, how long did it take before Alan and Brent made a reference to Michael designing something for your father? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he's just... Easy, easy oh, on the eyes, Larry. Laser. Easy on the eyes. I, I how about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, I tried wearing lingerie for your Uncle Ray, but it turns out he has a kink for granny panties. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. <laughs>